listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. As always, I am Andrew Berkshire. Andrew Berkshire. Apparently, I'm not always who I usually am. I'm Andrew Berkshire from the Steve Dangle Podcast Network host of Game Over Montreal, and I write for the Montreal Gazette, and I'm here with my co-host, the lovely Mary Clark from For the Win. This is a recording that is happening later than usual because when we were supposed to record it on Thursday, I went to sleep and forgot. (laughs) So Mary was like, hey, I'm ready when you are, and I answered that message about seven hours later. Yep. So sorry about that, Mary. The Olympic schedule has me a little bit discombobulated. I'm staying up all night and sleeping all day, but I'm up now. We're going to talk about some stuff. We have some major topics to get to because, frankly, between the Olympics and the NHL right now, it is absolute chaos in sports right now. And if we had to cover basketball and football on top of it, this podcast would be six hours long. So thankfully, we don't. Uh, Lots of things happened in the NHL over the last couple of days between when we recorded the last podcast and now, which like it's just crazy. Uh, first of all, a couple big suspensions that went down. Uh, Brad Marchand and Marcus Foligno. Uh, I believe Brad Marchand got six games. I actually have had no time to figure out what two. Marcus Foligno did. Okay, so I'm he got two. Sure he got two. Honestly, that's insanely low for kneeing somebody in the head on purpose. But you know, the NHL is the NHL. And I feel like there was something else, too, that happened. Oh, yeah. Brad Marchand broke the record for the most suspensions for a single player in NHL history. So congrats, Brad Marchand, for that. What a dubious honor, considering he already gets away with almost everything anyway. So get the heck out of here, Brad. All right. So we all got some other bigger topics to talk about. Obviously, the Montreal Canadiens. Axed uh, head coach Dominique Ducharme didn't even last a calendar year despite making a Stanley Cup final. Uh, brought in Martin St. Louis. We're going to talk about that. There's, you know, Olympics to talk about because Canada and USA are doing some stuff. Both the men and the women are playing really, really well. So we'll hit on that. And uh, Dave Tippett met the same fate as Dominique Ducharme. He was axed in Edmonton. Uh, <laughs> both Ducharme and Tippett had received the kiss of death earlier this season when the general manager said they would not be changing coaches this season. Never, ever believe that. All right. So Mary, let's get into the Habs craziness. I know. I know it, it, you saying all of that. It's been a wild week for us both. It really has. And, you know, we're only halfway through the Olympics, which is wild to think about because there is, we have gone through individually and together so much. Uh, so it is, it's been a wild ride. Uh, obviously sports are exciting and sports are fun, but God, is it exhausting? Um, I mean, I've had to cover a few more things. I've got the Super Bowl coming up this weekend, which is also going to be, you know, wild because the Super Bowl is the biggest thing in sports and probably always will be, or at least for American sports. So it is just a wild time, but there's a lot to talk about. And, uh, usually on our Thursday slash now Friday shows, there isn't always a lot to talk about. So I'm glad you know, we've actually have stuff to, you know, dive into and discuss today because there really has been a lot of movement in the NHL and the Canadians are one of them. And it's really funny you mentioned the kiss of death thing because uh, Chuck Fletcher, I believe, got that uh, like a month or so ago, a couple months ago. Yes. I don't even remember when it was now. So, you know, Flyers fans. Somebody else got something... it like last week, too. Yeah. I mean, it it's a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point it really is and uh you know but you know the canadians axing ducharme uh you know like you said even before a calendar year right because isn't the anniversary of them firing claude julian and them hiring him like right around the corner or something like it's really close and obviously you said he led them to that stanley cup final um i think a lot of that was on the back of carrie price who they do not have uh this year and you know bad goaltending can sink a coach uh as we've seen many many times over the years and a good and good goaltending can elevate a bad coach i'm not saying Ducharme was a bad coach necessarily i think i think maybe there's too little evidence it maybe this is just me it feels like he's hardly like coached any games at all and i don't know i don't think the Habs collapsing in any way is his fault but I can see why at least from their perspective they decided to make this move because you know 
the Habs are really bad, Andrew, and you know this, I think, better than anyone else, uh, especially of the two of us, but you know this better than anyone else. The Habs are very, very bad this year, and it's and it's at this point like an embarrassment to the league and the organization, I think, is, you know, the way things are looking now. Uh, so well, that's why this happened, right? Like, yeah, I was going to say that's probably why this happened, because they had to do they had to generate some positive press i don't even know if this is positive press necessarily but even, they had to I do don't think something it's press i don't think it's press i think this is about not being a joke right and the canadians have been bad this season historically bad but for the mo- for most of the season they weren't full-on a joke but the last few weeks they have been a joke and when fans start coming back into the arena as covid restrictions get lifted on February 24th here or 21st you cannot have people spend, spending $400 for a ticket and know that they're going to lose 7 to 1 every game that can't happen so things needed to change the players in the room needed a breath of fresh air they needed to learn how to have fun again with the game because frankly it's been such a downer of a year nobody's happy you know and it seems like Martin St. Louis has a bit of energy to bring that the first game under him looked really fun you know like they were all engaged and that could just be like new coach fever but it looked decent now Ducharme I feel like is getting all the blame when he shouldn't get all the blame because this is you don't get to be this bad with one problem oh yeah and the Canadians lead the league in man games lost even without Shea Weber counting like they were dealt a double blow of losing Weber and Price before the season started. Then they also lost Joel Edmondson, who was arguably their second or third best defenseman last year. Like, he hasn't played a game yet. They came into the season with one top four defenseman, and that was Jeff Petrie, and he's had the worst season of his career. <laughs> like, it's just everything has gone against them. They've dealt with COVID worse than most teams have. They've dealt with injuries worse than any team has. And I mean, they've, you know, they have, this is like this. You can trace all this back to their offseason, too. I mean, they lost Phil Deneau. Uh, they lost yeah. Kakanyemi, too. Um, I mean, we mentioned that when those moves happened, that this was not going to be the team that we saw make the Stanley Cup final. No, but, the DNA changed completely. Yeah, but this is this is like all these moves compounded into something I don't think we've ever seen in the NHL before. I don't think we've seen a steep drop off from you know Stanley Cup contention to where they are now. And no, the Canadians, there's never been a drop off this severe. No, and the, the Canadians deserve to be in the Stanley Cup final. They, you know, they they got lucky in certain regards of you know the team's best centers that they faced, you know, were injured or something happened to them, you know. It, I get. I like, still I get say that it. that's that's a BS line. Honestly. I'm just I'm just parodying what Twitter says, and just for the I sake know. just for the sake of argument, we I'm, only look I'm at the injuries here. of one team. Yeah. I know. I'm I'm agreeing here though that the Canadians de- deserve to be there. They played some really good hockey, really suffocating hockey in the playoffs, and it's just you you said it. I think correctly. The DNA of this team changed, and it changed so drastically that they are now the the worst modern team we've seen in the NHL and an embarrassment to the league. And they needed to change something. I just, I put in the doc, uh, did they really actually need to change something? Because, you know, what if they start to go on a winning streak? Isn't it better for the Canadians to actually be big losers this year? I know that the, I know that the city of Montreal and the NHL as a whole probably doesn't want to hear that, but I, I don't. I have not looked at the standings in a bit, but I think that they are pretty close with Arizona for the bottom of the NHL. Oh, they're they're way behind Arizona. Oh, they are. Oh yeah. So, yeah, they're okay. five points back of Arizona. Now they have okay. two games in hand. But here's the thing about the Canadians: is I feel like they could go on a winning streak, and it would not matter at all. They will still <laughs> be a bottom two or bottom three team this year, and the gap in odds between like thirty second, thirty first, and thirtieth, like honestly. It's not that big, and mm-hmm. frankly, as much as they do want the first overall pick this year, to continue playing the way that they were playing, to let that persist, is so damaging for everyone on that team who might remain in the organization that I I cannot see it being worth it. Like, There's being bad and losing, and then there's being an absolute joke, 
and you started to see some cracks along the veneer of the Montreal Canadiens players of not hiding it anymore. Uh, Jeff Petrie in recent weeks has talked about how he was like upset with the system that Dom Ducharme was running and how like nobody knew what to be doing and the the, uh, responsibilities weren't clear. And I think a lot of guys just stopped playing, not necessarily for Ducharme, but just the, the uselessness of playing out the rest of the schedule combined with not enjoying playing in that system was brutal. And I think that you look at guys like Caulfield who went and scored one goal all season. And the first game that Martin St. Louis is there, he scores not once, but twice. Now, one of them was disallowed on an icing review, which frankly had zero impact on the play. And I, I am not convinced that they could conclusively make that call the way that they did based on the rules. I think they ruled based on skates, which was the wrong way to rule uh, because the puck didn't actually exit the zone. But I digress. He scored twice after not scoring basically the entire season. So I don't think that's a coincidence. The first one, maybe. The second one, no. And he was so dynamic in that game. He looked like the weight of the world had been lifted off his shoulders. I think we're going to see more benefit from them being not terrible the rest of the way. And they'll probably still find ways to lose because frankly, they have terrible goaltenders until price comes back. So there's just a lot of positive to take out of this. Even if you're maybe minorly poorly impacting your draft lottery chances, I think that uh, Cole Caulfield not being ruined is more important than the difference between Shane Wright and the next best player. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, and you really like the Canadians have to be like th- this year, obviously a lost cause. So they are looking forward to the future uh, of what this franchise can do. And you're right. If you know, you get stuck in this rut of losing and just toxic negativity, uh, it can ruin players. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm glad it seems at least there was a positive first step forward. For them we'll see how it goes the rest of the season and martin san louis they said is an interim head coach i mean obviously he can you know become like the actual head coach we've seen that you know path from interim to like the full-time head coach uh craig berube is a big one i mean i know he had the turnaround of a lifetime in st louis but that's the one that always comes to mind um so that he could still possibly become the full-time head coach but for now he's interim so he has no head coaching experience, but his thighs are glorious, Andrew. So yes. what do you think? Oh my God. What? Did you <laughs> see all... my tweet? <laughs> yes, I saw your tweet and then I posted it in my work Slack because a couple people were talking about it because they also posted that picture. And I'm like, that's his that's his legacy. It's his thighs are his legacy. And <laughs> his, you know, his legacy. Him. Yes, his legacy, Andrew. All right. <laughs> Oh, oh that was God. so bad. That was so bad. I think we need to just move along with that because I don't think we can get bogged down in the dad jokes right now. We absolutely can get bogged down. But I, I watched a bit of Martin St. Louis like uh, introductory press conference, and he said possibly the most progressive thing I've heard out of the Canadians organization in my entire life, which was he was talking about systems. And he was saying like to him as a player, systems always annoyed him because they're so rigid and you get told you can do one of whatever many things. And for the best players, you end up becoming average because the best players can read and react to things in a dynamic way and make the best plays. But if you're so obsessed with systems and everyone has to fit into that box, you end up like bringing everyone to the average and like, yes, some of the bad players will be better in that situation because you're, you're kind of building them up by giving them structure. But he was basically arguing like you can have concepts without being a rigid system. And those concepts can still lift those bad players, but the good players are allowed to be free. And he was saying like, he would rather a good player make a bad play and learn from it than make an average play and continue to do the average play. And I was like, Whoa, that's not NHL coach speak. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, he has no NHL coaching experience or any head coaching experience. Really, he was coaching uh, under 13 AAA hockey, but that's super refreshing. And that makes me think, you know, a little bit of Ted Lasso and a little bit of uh, Rod Brindamore mixed in there that uh, the Canadians might have actually found something here. I mean, nobody's going to argue that Martin St. Louis is 
a bad hockey mind, right? Oh, no. He's the oldest player to ever lead the league in scoring. He and I think 37. And I think that this is a good opportunity here. I mean, I mentioned that he has no head coaching experience and usually that would, you know, tip people off and whatnot. But I think this is a good thing for the Canadians because they're building towards the future. And I don't think they're going to be competitive immediately next year unless a lot of things change. They add pieces, some of their young pieces step up. But this could be a very good role that, you know, San Luis, you know, grows with the team and you know progresses and really builds something from the ground up here you know if if the canadians you know sell at the deadline you know basically change out a lot of things about the old guard of this team um in the summer or at the trade deadline and you know they start afresh and you know san louis is still the head coach um i think that they're really could be building something here they could build something together and I think that'd be really cool and unique. We don't see a lot of head coaches starting out in this league. Like we talk about the coaching carousel uh, and how, you know, that just keeps on, keeps on turning. And we'll talk about that uh, when we get to the Oilers later in the podcast, I'm sure. But I think this is a really good thing for them. And, you know, I mean, I know San Luis is a, you know, hockey, former hockey player, obviously a hockey mind, Um but I think this is a good thing for them. And it'd be really cool to see them grow together as, you know, a team under him with, you know, fresh ideas and stuff like that. Because you're right. I have never heard a head coach in the NHL say something that innovative um, before. So it's it's the, the positive signs early are looking good. Um, obviously, very low sample size, you know, not a lot really to go on, but like I said, I think this is a good first step forward for the Canadians, and I, I think it can only go up from here, Andrew. Because yeah, it's hard I think to go we've seen I think we've seen rock bottom for this team. I they're still going to be bad, but I don't think they're going to be as embarrassingly abysmal as they have been over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, this is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you ever tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy cinnamony coconut marshmallow banana cream pie. So good. These are going to be your new favorite. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, Puffs included. 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Go to Built.com and scroll to the, down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low cal, high fiber, low carb. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar that usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It'll be delicious, and it'll be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Thanks again for making the Crosscheck NHL show your first listen every Tuesday and Friday. Make sure to check out the Olympic Hockey Daily Show presented by Locked On NHL, a bonus podcast covering all the action in Beijing. You can find it on the Locked On NHL podcast feed. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So, Mary, speaking of Olympics, we got to do a little bit of an Olympic recap here. Because, God, Andrew. Hey, God. Team Canada God. currently playing. I think they just is finished. Is absolutely blowing team. Oh, yeah, okay. They just yeah, finished they just the game. Finished. So, last I checked, it was 11 to nothing. It finished 11 think, to nothing. Yeah, I think that's what it finished. Oh, this boy. Canadian team is the most dynamic offensive team I've ever seen. Yeah, they were. I mean, yeah, the, it was 
they they have been scoring the lights out on every single team they have faced, I think, except Team USA. And we should probably... But, I mean, they did kind of score the lights out on Team USA because eh. they were tired think... as hell from the game before, like less than uh, yeah. 20 hours before. I mean, didn't I, didn't I call it? Didn't I call it that they yes, were going to start did. slow? I was wrong. I thought that they were going to get not speed bagged by the USA, but to just lose a tight game. But the USA controlled the puck for the most part. I think the Canadian ladies were just absolutely exhausted. And then once the USA took the lead, it was like a, a switch flipped a little bit. And they're no, like, Canada oh, okay, took the lead, let's Andrew. score. No, 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 no. When USA oh. took the lead two to one, oh, okay. Canada took the early lead right on the yes. power play. And they just kind of like sat back and were like, oh, maybe we can just like rest on our laurels here and we'll, we'll win it one, nothing. And we'll get the two points or whatever. And, uh, the USA obviously was not going to go away quietly. They tied it up and then took the lead. And then a, a switch flipped for Canada, and they were like, mm, we're just going to score three goals now. <laughs> it was just like, bang, 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 right away, and finished off by Mary Fleet playing with the beautiful uh, penalty shot goal, which uh, a bunch of people were complaining about. And it's like, you realize that just because she gets a shot doesn't erase the fact that she got slashed. Well, nah, on a clear I, break that, that's fine. I mean, it, it's just more that, you know, we know, we know Marie Philippe is going to do her thing against the United States. And that's just, you know, the, you know, the nail in the coffin as it were. Uh, but I will start with Canada because Canada has been really good. They're, they cru they're cruising to the semifinals. Basically. I have no idea who they face and I have no idea when team USA plays again because uh, that game happened late last night and once it ended i was like it's bedtime uh because <laughs> god it is just the the schedule is brutal uh but it we're i think we're having a good time but for different reasons but <clears throat> i want to talk a little bit about the stress of team usa and the potential pitfalls that will befall team usa if they don't fix some things because sure they have been winning but they played a really close game against is it Czechia? Is that? Yeah, is that I it? mean, yeah, it's confusing because uh, the broadcast the, doesn't say it, or at least the yeah, US the broadcast is saying Czech Republic now, but <laughs> in the World Juniors, the Czechs specifically asked to be called Czechia, but apparently they haven't asked that for the for Olympics. the Olympics. Yeah, so it's still Czech Republic here, and I'm like, what are you guys doing? Just have a sports federation figure out what you want to be called, yes, and I'll call I know, you that. I know. I had to deal with it when I was looking up uh, stuff about you know, since I was writing stuff about the Olympics, but that's not the point here. They played a really close game against them. Um, and it looked really precarious for a little bit because they took the lead over the United States and the United States was dominating shots. Again, that's kind of the narrative for team USA in these Olympics so far, they dominate the shot count. And for the first couple of games, they were really outscoring their opponents. They were putting up, you know, six, seven goals a game, uh, but the shot counts and shot distribution were completely you know one-sided towards team usa and it was the same in the canada game in the round robin game they lost i believe 4-2 um they had an incredible first period and nothing went in because you know the canadian goaltender stood on her head um and just things weren't going in and then of course canada pots a goal on the power play and then you could just feel it deflate a bit for team usa and also i've seen this before this ha this has happened to the flyers many times over the years not to this extreme dominance but i have seen this play before um so you know you get that and then of course they tie it up and take the lead but then canada comes back but you know the big thing right now you're going to hear from people talking about team usa is the power play and how pitiful it has been uh for a team that has this much talent they just seem to circle the puck around the zone they don't seem to get anything into the interior it's all exterior work i mean canada blocked a ton of shots in that game against the u.s i don't remember the complete number but it seems like every shot that they were taking was being blocked by canada and you know incredible job to the canadian women for that that was it was a really awesome game i have not gotten that angry about a sporting event in some time and i missed it it was great it really was it was a fun game uh it's great to hate canada but you have to respect their talent they're just so good at what they do um but i think team usa is kind of being held back a little bit by their coaching they are they're, they're yeah. out they're out shooting their opponents and the same thing happened against Czechia or Czech Republic. They out shot their opponents, but they got the first goal against Team USA on their first shot, and then you felt oh no. Thankfully, the United States came right back and I believe tied it like near instantly, but it was bad. And there are decisions being made 
that I don't necessarily understand. I'm not going to get into the full, you know, X's and O's of it, but it just seems like that their mantra is quantity over quality. And I don't think that's going to cut it in now that we move into the semifinals. I mean, it's great to get a bunch of shots, but if they're all um, like shots on the exterior, like by the point and, you know, not really any high danger chances. I think I, I felt that there was a possibility of an upset coming into Thursday night, partially because there were a lot of things happening for me on Thursday night, and it would be very funny if Team USA lost and I had to log on at like 2 a.m. to write something for the morning. So that was in the back of my mind. I was like, oh, this would be the biggest thing to happen. And of course, I have to, you know, write something for the morning for work because, you know, I'm the one covering women's hockey. I should be the one writing something. But um, it, I don't know. I just got this feeling out of that Canada game that they're not being coached up to where they can be. And it was a really big scare for them against Czechia. And we'll see if they change things around for the semifinal. I have no idea who they face. I don't know when it is. I hate to say that because the like the games have been really good and I'm really excited for it. I just have not seen the schedule yet. But it worries me, Andrew. I yeah. I think it is, I, I it is it's I'm concerning. Not, I'm not worried about the USA. Uh yeah, you say that, it, but like I... <laughs> here's the thing. Yes. They did struggle for a bit to get through Czechia, but the Czech goaltender was absolutely absurd. This is true. Like, yeah, it was incredible. The shots were 59 to 6. Yeah. <laughs> the fact is, Czechia got lucky to get one. That I think that's where I come along here. And for maybe there was some panic in the United States thing uh, game a little bit, but like... They just stuck with it and powered through and eventually got through. So to me, that's a positive that they didn't just get the two goals and try to sit on it. That They kept going like, we need to pile on more goals. Yeah, I mean, the entire the entire game was basically played in there in Czechia's end. Like, yeah, here's here's what worries me about the USA. These are games where they should win easily outside of Canada in the round robin. Right. Why on earth are Jincy Dunn and Caroline Harvey? playing zero minutes and zero seconds i don't know andrew ask the coaches like yeah this is and, what and I'm i've saying. seen a lot of people on like usa hockey twitter being like what the hell is going on and apparently this is not a new thing no this reminds so, me a lot that's of questionable this reminds me i don't follow women's soccer but i i catch enough to know that similar problems happened in women's soccer that they sat players that should have been playing um, and they basically outcoached themselves, basically, in the years that they, you know, I don't think they, they like disappointed in a recent Olympics. I don't think, I don't remember which one. I'm sorry that I am not, not Olympic. Oh, the Team USA soccer, soccer. team? Yeah. I'm equating I mean, them was it the other. last Olympics where Canada beat them? No, I don't. I don't think it was that. I'm just going to keep was, bringing that up. Every, that's fine. I'm, I'm not the biggest soccer fan. So I know I'm kind of fumbling through this, but I've seen people talk about the parallels between the U.S. women's soccer team and the U.S. women's hockey team in terms of the way that they're they're out coaching themselves. At least and that's how I see it, in my opinion. Uh, is you know there what it is, is the U team USA has Canada disease because you look at the last decade plus of Canada versus USA rivalry. And yes, Team Canada has won out in the Olympics. But that required a massive comeback in 2014, right? Uh, even 2010 was tight. And they lost in Pyeongchang. You look at the like world championships and stuff, and the United States for a long stretch was winning everything. And every game that those two teams played, I thought the United States was faster more dominant on the puck and they were playing their young players more and Canada was really leaning on vets who were getting left behind slow skaters. And part of the change has been a couple of the Canadians or not Canadian, sorry, Canada's old, older players have changed their game. Like Natalie Spooner. I thought the last time I saw Natalie Spooner play internationally that she looked slow and she wasn't very effective this year. She is a monster. She's leaned into her strength. She's a net driving presence. She's the key to her line. She makes so much space for the Sarahs. Like, she's just incredible. And I like that's crazy. But also, Team Canada has leaned into going younger. You know, players like Sarah Fillier are getting big roles. And that's huge. And Team USA, to me, looks like they're resisting change. And this is why, like, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the Noxie and Cax 
uh, podcast that SDPN just debuted, but they had their, their second great. episode. Great. It is great. And their second episode, they had Casey Bellamy on and Casey Bellamy made team USA. And then after making it saw like, she looked at herself and was like, my heart's not a hundred percent in it. Why would I take a job from somebody else? And like, first of all, Oh my God, the, the wherewithal to do that as a professional athlete, so much respect for Casey Bellamy to step aside and let somebody else take that role. But the fact that she made it when her heart's not a hundred percent in it tells me that they're maybe leaning too much on their vets. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you can also trace that to the men's side, or at least when NHL players were there, it's much harder for me to, you know, say that about team USA when they're made up of a bunch of college kids and former NHLers and stuff like that. But the same problem was plagued team USA when you know they had nhl players on their roster i mean it's just i don't know i i'm just worried andrew <laughs> and you can probably tell i mean i know you're probably still thinking team usa is pretty deadly and they are but i can see them beating themselves here i mean their power play shouldn't be nearly as bad thankfully i believe they scored a power play goal in, against Chekia, but they, they had did. multiple yeah, like power goal. plays at the end of the canada game and they didn't do anything on them like, Canada was just, like, keeping them to the, like, exterior, and, you know, it, it felt like watching a Flyers power play, and that's not good. You do not want to emulate the Flyers play power play. They are bad at power plays, and it was just, fr it's frustrating. Those games, the, the end of the Canada game was frustrating. I mean, the whole thing was frustrating in a sense, but at least the start of the game was, like, good, like, sports frustrating, um, because that's kind of how sports go sometimes. You can dominate the shot count and then, you know, let one in, but a lot of these like games have been frustrating and not unnecessarily stressful uh, because you can see the talent is there. They just, they're, it feels like team USA has won when they've won big games, they've won it in spite of their coaching. So I'm hoping that, you know, changes are made and adjustments are made. So I have no idea who the semifinal is against, but I'm hoping, you know, USA makes it out of that. So we get our Canada USA final. I mean, I, I think that that's what we all want here, but I think it's, Overall, good for the sport that that game last night was so close. That was really awesome to see. And isn't it their first time at the Olympics tour? Did I mishear that or something like that? But oh, I, I'm not sure about that. But they had Czechia had a really, really awesome showing. All the props in the world to them. That was such a hard fought game. Even though they got outshot so much, they made the most of their chances. They made Team USA sweat. And not many countries can say that. Canada can absolutely. But you do not get that type of performance from team usa and that's that's at least a moral victory and whomever wrote that article which we didn't even talk about that you know women's hockey shouldn't be in the olympics should feel absolutely ashamed of themselves you have to be watching these games that was incredible last night so stressful so awesome it just <sighs> women's hockey is so good and we're seeing the competition be elevated year after year and this is a prime example of it andrew yeah, I, I don't even want to talk about that article no, because I just it was mentioned so it in passing, but that was one yeah. of my thoughts last night. That was like, God, this game is so good. It really is. It's just so it's so fun. And I'm so happy to see women's hockey growing like this, that a team like Czechia, who hasn't, as far as I'm aware, not really done anything in women's hockey, really pushed Team USA to their limits and it was awesome to see. I'm just really excited for the future of the sport. And God, am I nervous for the rest of the tournament? Because, oh, man, it's going to be a wild ride, Andrew. It's going to be a wild ride. Yeah. And the person who wrote that article is like a pretty famous opinion columnist for having the most shitty takes in all of Canada. She sucks. She's been writing that same column since 1997. She just regurgitates it every time there's a big women's tournament and gets a lot of clicks. So don't give her those clicks. Listen to what actual people who cover the game and understand the sport say. But uh, we'll move on from the Olympics for now. But first, I got to tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs. That's right, it's Super Bowl Sunday coming up this weekend. BetOnline.net remain, uh, remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, UFC, sorry, along with live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of the all-new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline, 
where the game starts. So the Edmonton Oilers did the same thing as the Canadians just a day later, and they waited until I fell asleep, and then they fired their coach. <laughs> uh, just like the Canadians earlier this year, they said that they wouldn't be firing their coach, and they brought in their, I believe, American Hockey League guy, which is what almost every single Oilers fan that I follow wanted to happen. Because he's apparently done a really, really good job down in, I think, Bakersfield is their that sounds right. American Hockey League uh, affiliate. So they're really happy. Uh, Dave Tippett gets becomes the fall guy. But the funniest thing about this, because I don't know, I think Dave Tippett's a fine defensive coach. Uh, Edmonton's underlying numbers are actually not that bad, despite their roster being a joke. So I feel like Tippett, in a lo- like his tactics weren't perfect. Uh, there are definitely some things and some player uh, deployment issues there. But I think he's kind of getting the axe for Ken Holland being an idiot. And the next guy, hopefully he can do better because I would like to see it just for Oilers fans who are long suffering. And I think we all want to see Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, I think this is still on Ken Holland more than anything. Mm -hmm. And I find it very funny that Edmonton media is putting all the blame on Connor McDavid. Andrew, I mean, we talked about it when we talked about the Leon Draisaitl stuff, however many weeks ago it was, uh, you know, that Edmonton media isn't the best necessarily um, no, and hasn't been for some time. Um, so this was a predictable outcome, a sad outcome, but a predictable one, I think. Um, and yeah, it. you're right. Dave Tippett seemed to have, you know, paid the price for Ken Holland's mistakes. And I don't know what it's going to take to actually, I think I do know what it's going to take to get him out of there. If the Oilers miss the playoffs again this year, I think we're going to see drastic, drastic changes. They have to, there's no way that they can keep going the way it is if the Oilers miss the playoffs or, even have a disastrous first round exit like they did last year. Like, did they did they have a disastrous exit last year? Did I make that up? Yeah. Yeah, they got swept by the Winnipeg okay, Jets, who I, then got swept by the Montreal Canadiens. Cool. That's what I thought, and I wanted to make sure because I said that. I'm like, wait, that doesn't sound right. So, good. Awesome. Glad, glad I was right on that regard. But I think that's the only way this team makes sweeping changes, or at least some changes, in their front office. And... We've mentioned it before. I'll mention it again. The Oilers have to do something. The Vander Kane thing can only push them so far. They need goaltending. They need goaltending real bad, real bad. And they need to make a move or they're going to run out of runway. They're, I think, what, five points out of a wild card? And they had two straight losses, which is what prompted this firing. Not like the biggest, you know, skid in the world, but still a skid. I think it's Um, it's how they started because they had that little rebound where they won, I think, like five in a row. But they still, almost every single game, they start really poorly. Mm-hmm. And so they have to battle back all the time. So I, I feel like that's what made the decision, is that their their preparation is garbage. And the players aren't engaged to start the game. And then it comes down to like the, the stars to basically score their way back into the game every single game. And some games, you just can't do it. It's not yeah, sustainable it's not to play su- that I was going to say, it's not sustainable. Uh, but yeah, I I hope we all want... Connor McDavid and Leandro Isaiah are to make the playoffs. We want this to, we want them to succeed. We want them to win a Stanley Cup. Those are the facts. And you as an NHL fan should want that. You should want more people seeing Connor McDavid and Leandro Isaiah in the playoffs, doing their awesome thing, succeeding as players, making really awesome highlights and getting people into the games. So you can only want that for this Edmonton Oilers team. I know if, maybe if you're, you know, a Calgary Flames fan, you don't want that. But for the good of yeah. the league, you want Connor McDavid to succeed. But and they have a bit of an uphill battle here. Like yeah. uh, they yeah. are, they have games in hand, so like they can just overtake them. They have a, uh, they actually have a worse uh, winning percentage than the Ducks, but uh, they are six points behind with four games in hand. So. If they were to win all four, they'd have a better winning percentage. But that's that's a gigantic if for that team. They just haven't been that good. And there's also the fact that they've gone through, I believe, eight head coaches in the last 10 years, Andrew. I know that the shelf life of an average NHL coach isn't that long. But still, that's yeah. a lot of coaches. That's a lot. That's so many. The The turnover rate, like, you don't get settled if you're, if you know, have that. I mean, I know NHL seasons are long, but, like, you don't. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl have been dragged around and ragdolled enough in their careers between coaches and what they want them to do. Because each coach has their own systems, has their own way of doing things. I mean, but like just as a team overall, going through eight head coaches in 10 years is a lot. And that speaks to something 
bigger than just the pl- like the players on this team. It's the management that is the issue here. That they are not, you know, giving the team the assets it needs to succeed if they just keep thinking the coaches are the problem. The, the coaches aren't the problem here. Dave Tippett had to be the fall guy here because something had to change for Edmonton. I don't know if he was necessarily a really good coach um, in terms of, you know, bringing them to their full potential, but he certainly wasn't helped by the moves that they have made um, and not have and, and have not made. So it is... I know we it talk it feels like we talk about the Oilers all the time on the show, but they are such a fascinating team to me and are so important to the health of the NHL. It, it's much like people like talk about like I know probably the Leafs are the most important team to the health of the NHL because that market is so huge. But Edmonton too has a lot to bring to the table. And we've been we've wasted a lot of years with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl not making it to the playoffs or bowing out in the first round. They're I don't know. I, it's just, it's frustrating and a shame that we're seeing this talent wasted um, on something that probably should have been really easy to do. The hardest thing the Oilers probably could have had to do is manage their cap situation around their two best players. And they haven't, they, the, they haven't had, like they haven't even built anything good around them. It seems like we, no. I thought this was the deepest forward core. Maybe the Oilers have had, you know, in the Conor McDavid, oh, Leon Dreisaitl era, but everything For else sure. around them, bad, terrible. Goaltending situation, just completely awful, inexcusable at this point. Yeah, defense, expensive, and also terrible. They bought heavy on Cody Cece, huge mistake. Bought heavy on Duncan Keith for leadership, huge mistake, not a leader, total loser, coming from the worst organization in the sport. And they bought heavy on Tyson Berry on a season where he just piled up power play points, feeding David and Dreisaitl. And like, yeah, okay, you think maybe that'll happen again until he gets completely eclipsed by Evan Bouchard and isn't even on the top power play unit. And now you've got him signed for another three years for no reason. So, yeah, a bunch of d- dumb moves by Ken Holland have put them in this situation. And they don't think- have a lot of cap flexibility. What do you think they're going to do before the deadline? Because the deadline is approaching. I know we're still in the middle of the Olympics. I know it's later this year, but... I can tell you what I think they should do. Yeah. What? I think they should... Because Ken Holland said that he's not interested in a rental, right? He wants somebody with term. I look at their defense and I look at Darnell Nurse and I think Darnell Nurse needs a legitimate partner. Because if you can make an actual really good first pair on D... That can change everything for them at even strength. Everyone gets bumped down a little bit, less stress on them. The first D can play with their McDavid line or their Dreisaitl line and just crush teams, right? How about somebody who's already familiar with the organization who likes the city? Jeff Petrie. The Canadians are looking to trade him. He doesn't necessarily want out so much as he's open to a trade. Uh, He hasn't been around his family all year. His uh, wife and kids went back to Detroit. So the the thought is that they're probably looking for a trade to the USA. But I know that he was comfortable in Edmonton. He liked it there. Apparently his family liked it there. So that's an open thing for me. And I think you put Jeff Petrie on a team that's possibly going to make the playoffs Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, sit him with Darnell Nurse instead of Ben Sherratt, you're going to get the good version of Jeff Petrie again. And that could change a lot of things for the Edmonton Oilers. And also, they need to get a goalie. I don't yeah. I don't care who it is, but it can't be Mike Smith. He's, he's oh, no. done. It's not the sexiest and... pick, but I'm here for it. I don't think that they need to be like, they need to get the biggest name. I think they just need to get somebody solid like really solid for them it doesn't have to be the biggest name it just needs to be they just need to make their defense and goaltending better it doesn't need to be the biggest wow gotcha awesome moments i guess in their minds they probably think evander kane is that considering you know what he brings or has brought offensively but they don't need to like wow with a big name they need to get somebody steady they just they just need somebody there for them because it is it is bad and i know i it feels like i said it feels like we talk about the oilers every week but they're incredibly fascinating to me just from all angles from you know the team from the media around them um it is it's not anything like we've seen in the nhl mostly because they continue to repeat the same mistakes over and over again then they never seem to learn so yeah yeah they're a tire fire we talk about them because they're a tire fire yeah all right uh we're gonna talk about uh, some pop culture stuff in a second here because we're gonna do our pop culture roulette segment we're done with hockey 
friendship with hockey over. All right, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all of the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain, store, or car dealership? Rock Auto is also a family business that serves do-it-yourselfers for over two, for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. rockauto.com So Mary, I don't know uh, if you watched anything other than the Olympics and sports over the last little while, but I did take some time out to finish the book of Boba Fett with my wife. You can absolutely 100% spoil it for me because... I don't care. I might end up watching the the Mandalorian preseason three stuff, basically, but I do not care about um, the stuff I have seen so far in the book of Boba Fett. So, spoil away, Andrew. All right. So, spoilers for everybody who hasn't watched it. It's fine. It the season was so uneven. <clears throat> like I like what they did with Boba Fett's character. I liked the humanizing of the Tuscans, uh, essentially making them uh, an indigenous tribe, uh, and the fact that they were just seen as a burden and savages by everyone except for Boba, who grew to know them and be accepted by them. That was cool, and the fact that that kind of gave him, uh, like a kinship with them and tied him to Tatooine but I feel like they failed to expand upon that and instead tried to go for this, like, and also he wants to be a crime Lord thing, but doesn't really want to be involved in crime, but also wants to fight a war. And also it's the Mandalorian now. And also it's Jedi time now with Grogu. And also, no, we're not doing that because he's choosing not to be a Jedi. Like, it, it was just so much. And I feel like this is a, a season that really should have been like 13, 14 episodes and they should have taken their time and kept the same tone as the first three or four episodes, because it just seemed like they set up Boba Fett's character, didn't go anywhere with it, and then tacked on a bunch of stuff to set up other Star Wars stuff at the expense of Boba's character. Yeah. That's... And I don't really care about Boba Fett. Like I'm, he just didn't ever matter to me. Like I was really kind like of a Tumura blank Morrison. slate. He's kind yeah, of a blank like slate. People, yeah. people project their own. Oh, he's cool thing. Cause he had a helmet and a jetpack, but it's just, it's the rogue mystique. It's the, it's yeah. the lone ranger mystique. It, it, or but that, mercenary like, mystique. I don't know. I find almost everyone in star Wars, like the original trilogy that becomes like a, cult thing is that because they look cool like if you actually watch the old star wars movies darth vader is not that cool <laughs> the only time darth vader is ever cool is in rogue one, rogue one. i was gonna say it's and that sequence rogue at the end one, of rogue one yeah rogue one is a shit movie where almost nothing makes sense and there's no stakes whatsoever because you know everybody's gonna die it's that movie exists as a vehicle to show yeah, for sure. But less because the prequels actually did some storytelling, right? I Rogue meant One just does like, no storytelling. You you know, like you know where the character the characters yeah, where it's can't going. yeah the characters can't appear in the in yes. like because they don't they have to die. Yeah. You, you know this from the outset, so it kind of ruins like, a little bit of it. At the very least, the prequels had some story to tell of like how they got there. Whereas I don't think Rogue One did that. Rogue One was just a vehicle because they wanted to do that hallway scene. That's yeah, it. And the end was I'm, great I'm of Rogue One. <laughs> Yes. It was great. Like, it's probably and I one of the best things scene. Star Wars has done. It probably yes, one and I'll watch scene. that scene a hundred times. Like it, it's fantastic. But <clears throat> the movie was crap. But Boba Fett does not interest me because Star Wars has this thing where they make a bad guy and they make them look really cool and dangerous, and then they always go out like a punk. Like think about like even the Emperor. 
Darth Vader picked him up and threw him down an elevator shaft. This is the most powerful force user in the galaxy, and he can't like force jump Star off Wars of a wall. Has to be a little cheesy, though. Maybe that's just the yeah, limitations of the time. I don't know. The cheese is just like Star Wars builds these grand ideas, and then they have nowhere to go with them, and they just they can't stick the landing. Like, I can't they even never remember, stick the landing. I can't even remember how the end of rise of skywalker goes what happens to palpatine i don't remember oh he's using force lightning on ray and she's catching it with oh a that's lightsaber. right i do remember and the whole the force like, really gives awesome. her a second lightsaber and then she puts the lightsabers together and the two lightsabers together magically makes the lightning go back onto palpatine and you're like huh and then he explodes and yeah, it, it was dumb. The whole they movie's have some dumb. Good character moments in there, not not related to Kylo Ren, just related to Ray, who's the, who I love, still love very in the dearly. Third one? Yeah, I thought I I'm trying I to remember. Is that so. like the whole like where she hears the voices thing at the end? I thought that was nice. That played on my emotions just a tiny bit. I haven't seen the Rise eh. of Skywalker since I saw it in theater, so I may be re- misremembering. But I think it's the worst Star Wars movie, <laughs> like worse than the. Prequels. I don't. I my friends get into this all the time. I don't. I don't want to talk about. I've had enough of like rehashing the Star Wars argument. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I'm I'm out. I'm sitting this one out. I enjoy the little things that I like from the sequel trilogy and everything else i don't i'm not i cannot spend energy arguing about it because people still spend but, their energy arguing over all those movies i'm like i can't do it how how do you have the energy to do this anymore i just don't but know. can we agree that ben solo's redemption was super dumb yes 100 and unearned in every possible she way. should have just killed him and he should have just stayed yes. dead when when she stabbed him when she did yes I 100%. completely yes, we're one hundred percent agreed on that train. I if they had maybe built up his rede- here's the thing. They tried to I don't know if you've ever watched Avatar the Last Airbender. They tried to Zuko uh Kylo Ren. And nobody can But they didn't have they didn't still tell the story, right? Like, yeah. You have to yeah. have you, you have to lay the groundwork. And that's why Avatar works so well in that regard and making their villain redemption work. I mean, I know it's a little bit longer form in a TV show, but if you want to see a villain redemption done really well or at least an antagonistic redemption story done well because i don't even know if zuko is necessarily the big villain there's a lot of meta text written around it because that show has been out for so long but please watch avatar the last airbender they do that really well and i don't think any other story has ever been able to do a redemption arc in the way they do that but anyway just watch avatar it's a great show (laughs) i literally watched a video yesterday while there there was like a break in the olympic coverage so i got to like watch something that i wanted to watch other than the olympics comparing kylo ren to zuko and saying like this is why he changes his mind kylo ren changes his mind because kylo ren changes his mind it's like there's no understanding of like why his worldview changes so okay we're getting bogged down here but anyway the book of boba fett there's some really cool stuff in it uh i really liked seeing ahsoka i liked seeing luke i know that people get stuck in the uncanny valley thing what i didn't like is they used an ai program to do the lines for yeah. luke skywalker instead of Mark just getting Hamill one of the best voice, voice actors, actors in the goddamn world who plays the goddamn character to do it i don't understand that i find this is like one of those lucasfilm things like we have the best technology like, shut the f- freaking hell up and let mark hamill do it he will want to do it but anyway i digress i still think it was cool to see luke again and i also thought it was nice that they showed like uh that his flaws are inherent and you can see them right away that he's trying to reestablish the old ways of the jedi i hope i hope that the kenobi series that's going to come out shows the truth of obi-wan kenobi i know everybody loves obi-wan kenobi but the truth of obi-wan kenobi kenobi is that he's a failure a gigantic failure and the entire Jedi order is a gigantic failure. And that's what I wanted the last Jedi to be about because that's what they showed in the damn previews. And then it was like at the end, Oh, well actually the Jedi are good. And Ray, you're the next Jedi. Like, No, destroy the Jedi order forever. Realize that it's not about attachments. Like even in the Mandalorian or not the Mandalorian, I mean, Freudian slip because that's what the last bit of it was when they're they had like Ahsoka there with Luke which was really cool and she had a line like oh you're just like your father which was like goosebumps for anybody who's watched the Clone Wars it was really cool but her talking about like Grogu having an attachment to the Mandalorian being a problem that these Jedi still don't understand 
that the reason why Anakin turned to the dark side was not because he was attached to Padme. It's because he was raised as a slave and then bought by space wizards who told him he was special, who instead of counseling him, decided to tell him that he was the chosen one. And then when his mother was murdered, they gave him no counseling. And he's just sitting there dealing with trauma, showing sign after sign that he was like dealing with major mental health issues and anger management. He became the most decorated general in the Clone Wars. And instead of, you know, being, uh, they rewarded him essentially for breaking the rules all the time, using him for propaganda to sell this war, which the Jedi were supposedly for peace. Give me a break. They're called generals in the Clone Wars. And then he turns to the dark side because they're constantly lying to him and telling him he's special and amazing and then taking that all away at the last second and like it's this constant back and forth of course he goes to the guy who's always telling him what he wants to hear that's nothing to do with attachment he was manipulated from day one by both sides and went with the one who treated him like an adult that's what happened it has nothing to do with saying, andrew is that the jedi are jedis bad. are dumb yeah jedis are dumb jedis are bad it'd be cool if the series like i get it cool swishy swishy laser sword awesome yes. that's really cool like i still love the like the power fantasy is awesome i don't think there's many things in fiction like a lightsaber and like being no a Jedi. it's the coolest that's why like the video games are so awesome if you ever play them you just you just feel so cool it just feels so awesome like but they're also the jedi organization bad not good yes if if Star Wars like deconstructed the Jedi narrative and you know, I don't know. I I don't know all the Jedi lore, but I know enough that it's not, you know, they've done a lot of harm to people, and you know their their ways and teachings did a lot of harm to people. And like, if they could deconstruct that and maybe you know build a different type of like, I don't know, move away from the Jedi as an organization and just be like here's a cool swishy swishy lightsaber have some fun kids which is i think what we all want i don't know yeah maybe that maybe I, there I can be some nuance that's here why it, that's why the mandalorian is so good right is it moves itself a little bit away from the jedi and you don't have to be stuck with this idea of like the good guys have this super puritanical weird belief structure that makes no sense and like hey the mandalorian has some weird belief structure but you know what there was hints in this series that what he believes is going to be flipped on its head coming up in the Mandalorian season three. There was a lot of hints towards that, which is super interesting. They kind of harken back to the Clone Wars as well, but they're never going to break down the Jedi introspectively because they did a hint of that in the last Jedi and the toxic oh, fan base of Star Wars lost their got shit. mad at Luke. And yeah, yeah like I said, so I don't want to rehash. Yeah. I don't want to rehash. I feel like we just, we as a society spend too much time arguing about Star Wars. I think that there are yes. other things to occupy our time with, like sports or other video games. There are a lot of really awesome things coming out um, that I'm excited for that, you know, by this time next week, I will be playing the sequel to one of my favorite video games of all time. And I am so excited and I cannot be mad about anything else. I just need to get through this week, Andrew. I don't even at this point I was like I don't even care if Team USA loses to Canada. Can they at least just lose in the gold medal game? So that's when I scheduled them to lose, so I can you know write all my content then and not have to you know panic at one a.m. in the morning and be like oh god am I gonna have to write something when I can't? I need to go to bed. Um, so by this time next week I'll be playing the sequel to my one of my favorite video games, and I'm just really excited. There's a lot more out there than arguing about stuff online. I don't get being a contrarian, or I don't get. You know, holding that much hatred even still. There's just so much going on, Andrew. It's the, the world has so much to see and so much to do. <laughs> so that's yeah. all I got. That's, and that's Star it. Wars isn't even like the most interesting franchise out there. No, no. It's I, like a solid I, like fourth. I, I enjoy Star Wars. I do. There's, I have a lot of good memories of it. But there's so much there's so much really awesome media out there that you should, you know, dive into. If Star Wars is disappointing you, it Go look elsewhere. There's so much good media out there, mainstream and not, that you should, you know, check out and enjoy. Because there's so much good content out there that there ever has been, I think, before ever in our lifetimes. So enjoy. Yeah. Find something you enjoy and embrace that instead of watching something you hate and turning into the worst person in the world. Yes. All right. I got to end it there because I got to sleep. So uh, thanks for listening to the Crosscheck NHL show. If you want to continue listening to stuff, 
make your second listen locked on bets your boy q and the handicapping expert lee sterling bring you the best bets across all sports every day on the locked on podcast network wherever you can get your podcasts and thanks for listening to us and we'll see you every tuesday and friday